Hello, and welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast on the internet with the science and the screaming to determine what is the single greatest movie of any given year. My name is Ryan, and this year's name is 1982. <laughs> Jonathan, 1982. And tonight is his, or hers, or theirs, final night to throw Let some stuff in there. Out. Uh, at least for uh, the normal, the plebs. The the pay pigs, you guys are going to get one extra show that everybody else isn't doing. If you want that show, please go to patreon.com slash yourpotfilter and sign up for, I think, any tier, Mike? Or is it $5? Uh, that one would be $5. $5 tier to get. It's just half a latte a month. <laughs> How many avocado toast? <laughs> Inflation. <laughs> it's, it's, it is, it's about an eighth of an avocado toast. I wish they started doing... Avocado toast and eighths. Just give me an eighth, man. Give me a gram. <laughs> anyway, that last person that you heard was Mike. The person before that was Greg. Gentlemen, welcome. Are we excited to wrap this fucking year up? No. I've. Oh, interesting. Greg, you go first. Uh, You're at odds. I. It's the last couple of seasons. It's gotten a little bit tough right near the end to say goodbye to the year that we're in. Uh, there's. A lot of 1982 movies, the way we do this, the, the seasons is you only get to talk about so many movies. And then we started cheating, and we started adding in all these bonuses. <laughs> and even with that, I'm still like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe how many movies we're not going to talk about. Conan the he, Barbarian? Really? We're not going to have a show about that? That would be a good, that'd be a good episode. I, huh? I do want a show about that. One more show. <laughs> uh, I'm ready to move on. And here, how I'll make you more ready to move on, Greg, is to say things like 48 hours. Just like Slumber Party Massacre. Just you, you, I feel like you are really resting on some of the best of the best and not the rest of the rest. Oh, yeah. That there's so many 82 movies that I'm just, I, I would be done with. Yeah. But yeah. we're also like, we also know so much about the year. I guess we'll talk about this in the finale as well, but we have to learn about a whole new year soon. Like, no, we don't. We were alive for 2002. Wait, have we said that yet? We haven't. No, yet. So, yeah. Uh, if, if, you're not on Patreon. Please ignore what Mike just. Yeah, said. you're not supposed to know that. Uh, 1984, 1320. We can legally uh, sue you for knowing that. Okay, <laughs> so I hope you. Didn't yeah, this hear is it. Monsanto's rules. It was our fuck up, but we're suing you. This please. is why you never pay attention to a podcast. I would like everyone to please send themselves a subpoena. You are not to know what year we're doing next. Um, let's get to the final movie though. This was a bit of an audible. Um, we talked about how could we get through 1982 without one of the biggest Oscar winners, but also blockbusters, which is so crazy to think about, of the year, Gandhi. Um, we are going to dive in all episode to Gandhi, but just overall, surface-level thoughts, what do you guys think of the man, the myth, the legend, and not what you thought of the man, but the actual movie, though, not not the actual person. Oh. Yeah. Because I, yeah, I have some qualms. I was, I was kind of blown away. I have to say, I think uh, I acted like, you know, I wasn't all about this movie. I guess because the Oscars thing. I yeah. guess if you show me a movie that got mm. on Oscars, I will always be like, well, I'm better than that. Despite the fact that you can point to several years where the Oscars, quote, it's got it right. Oh, I didn't know Gandhi was in Green Book. But yeah, the cloud <laughs> of Crash and Green Book are so stinky that it really does taint any other Oscar winning picture. But this is, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things this movie is, but one of them is it's a really good time with the movies. It's just a very watchable enjoyable movie if if you're younger than us probably like which i am all not. you know is uh ben kingsley is like trevor slattery the fake mandarin it is nice to remind it was a nice reminder of what a fucking powerhouse he is uh i think he's pretty amazing as the mandarin actually. he is but people don't give comedy 
you know, slander. I'm gonna ring. I'm are. gonna ring that normal bell. People don't give comedy performances props. <laughs> I don't watch this nerd shit. Is Mandarin the new Boba Fett? Is that that new show? Yeah, he's the Boba Fett. He hangs out that baby. Okay, baby I don't, I don't butt, watch it. Morris. Um, before this, we had Sexy Beast. Is that more of our generation? Did you guys see Ben Kingsley and Sexy Beast? No, okay. I did not. Well, uh, I'll just move on. Mike, what did you think of the movie? <laughs> Uh, it sure was long. Uh, I loved hour two. I will say that I did. I did You're three episodes of the second hour of the movie. I did three episodes of Gandhi the miniseries, <laughs> and the second hour was pretty great. Now, to be honest, though, Mike, you did do that Broadway intermission thing where you waited outside and then snuck yeah. in an intermission and took other people's seats. Yes, and I, that's the way to go. You can sneak in your own flask, popcorn. You don't pay. That doesn't work, right? That can't actually. How many people it are leaving work. at halftime? They don't re, they don't recheck, and not every play is sold out. Ryan, I know you wish people were more. Oh, I just assume everything's SRO. Nope. And I think some people just show up to see and be seen, but maybe I've read too many turn of the century novels. (laughs) (laughs) I think we can all agree on that shit right now. Use your opera glasses to a spy. What's going on in the Baron's box? <laughs> oh, who is that holding the Countess's hand? Oh, Intriguing. Scandalous. <laughs> this will be the talk of every carriage on the ride home. <laughs> um, I think that I am closer to Mike here. Uh, I was doing some numbers, and I won't discuss. Does that mean smoking joints? The mm-hmm. the numbers, because we're. I don't want to spoil anything for my thoughts on the big eighty two finale that we're going to do next week. But um. I don't know if this would make my top 10 of 82. Like, this is floating in the night shift 48 hours realm for me. That Do not besmirch night shift by saying Gandhi is in its tier. Because oh, okay, so. I disagree. Oh, man. Okay, wow. Uh, I definitely liked it way more than Mike and Ryan. I One, thought it was, I thought it, honestly, I thought it deserved to be in the bracket. I love Night Shift, so that isn't necessarily an insult. That is the one movie we watch this season that I know I will watch annually from here on out. You are a Billy Blaze guy. And not Gandhi? That's what everybody says. No, you know what? Maybe once more before I die. I bet not. Really? I I liked Gandhi, and I'm still not sure I'll ever watch it again. Like, it's three hours, you're done, you're like, I got that, I got it. Like, do you, I don't, I don't want to get, it's hard to talk around things. I can't wait to find the best book in Gandhi out there, because that's what this movie made me want. It's going to be a long-ass book, dude. You're not going to find, you're not going to find a book that you can polish off three hours, just like that much. Well, I mean, there is, there is no, 15-minute chunks. I, there is no one story, right? So you're not gonna you're not gonna get a, a complete version, and you're certainly not going to in a movie that is about his entire life. And we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about is that just something that we have to take for granted, or is that does that is that frustrating no matter what? You know, like that the fact that that's always true. Uh, when we let's let's talk about that after a break. Goodbye. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening so far, and let me just tell you that everything ahead of this commercial is much better than what came before it. That's my guarantee. While I have you here, let me tell you about a website. It's called yourpopfilter.com, and it's everything you need that's related to Pop Filter. Everything Mike, everything Ryan, everything Greg, everything Cassie, everything is there at yourpopfilter.com. While you're there, go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. Make that your new Amazon bookmark and do your shopping from there. That way, we get a little piece of the action, and Amazon doesn't. Make sure you're also listening to everything that Pop Filter has to offer, which includes the Superhero Show Show, a podcast that covers every single TV show that's based on a comic book or comic book property, and Movie of the Year, 
where we sit down and try and figure out what is the single greatest movie of any given year. That's Superhero Show Show. That's Movie of the Year. And that's YourPopFilter.com. Rate, subscribe, review. Bye! In 1962, that's 1962, Richard Attenborough, who would one day welcome us to Jurassic Park, met with a devout follower of Gandhi that thought Attenborough should direct the movie of Gandhi's life. Motherfucker then spent 20 years trying to get it done, setting up a dozen different start dates over the next two decades. Finally, after a year of shooting, a million feet of film, and 300,000 extras in the funeral scene alone, Gandhi was released in December of 1982. The movie was a phenomenon, grossing over $100 million, while going 8 for 11 at the Oscars. The reason every movie we've done so far this season was nominated for 10 Oscars but won 0 or 1 that's Gandhi, baby. <laughs> Taste buds, I ask you this. We're not normally fans of biopics. I'm so sorry. That's It's just gross to say. We're not normally fans of biopics around these parts. What elevates Gandhi beyond the traditional entry in the subgenre? That's a tough question. I'm the guy who liked the movie, so I should probably have a reason for why what elevates it. I think it, more than elevating it, I think it um, just, like, chooses an angle and the angle is i have heard that attenborough was like all i want to do is make sure that i don't accidentally deify this guy and instead it feels like the angle of the movie was i'm a deify this guy because you can only tell one aspect of a story anyway in a movie and so i'm just gonna tell the all the good things about this guy for the most part i mean there's the classic hack tag of that i think has become very popular over the last 10 years when somebody realized it and then told everyone of stop making cradle to death yes movie yeah. cradle to grave movies but just give us an ass this is literally his life from the time he's like 20 years old 23 until... to so not cradle <laughs> and it's crazy it was still it was three hours and 10 minutes and it was still shut up and play the hits yes, the amount of confusing time jumps and trying to figure out when we were right now and what has just happened and stuff that you could you know what a great gandhi biopic would have been He's six years in prison. Let's have him talk to the guards. Let's see what he's dealing with. How how's he suffering there? No, he goes to prison six years later. I thought Wayne and Garth coming on screen was a little weird for this movie. Yeah, or uh, I mean, or you tell the story of his march to go make salt. Yes. Like you have, and I think this is something that honestly, like the the genre hadn't developed an understanding of this yet. That's why Lincoln is just about ratifying the 14th Amendment, mm-hmm. right? That, because that's like, that's how you can tell that story if you slow down. Or enough. Walk Hard but, is just about right before Dewey Cox walks on stage. Right. <laughs> and then we get a couple whole, of flashbacks. That's the way. You do, do, do have an actual chapter. Do, do you know what is not a good framing to your story is Murder? Uh, Fight Club this shit of he gets shot and then basically stops and says, I bet you're wondering how I got here. <laughs> and then we go all the way back to beginning and end where we started. There was no need for that framing. It feels insulting calling it a framing. It was just, well, I got to start exciting somehow. I, Mike, you said that the hour, the second hour was the your favorite. Maybe I'm thinking more of the third, but I that's surprising to me because that's, the, that's where I started to get really frustrated with the storytelling. Yes. In that it was... Just, uh, I'm upset, or I'm furious, I'm furious, I'm gonna fast. This is, we should call him reverse Dominic Toretto, the way that he furious is and then fast. <laughs> but that happened like three, that cycle of uh, people are doing bad, I'm gonna fast, 
now we have peace. That happened three times in the yeah. movie. I guess why why I liked it because it was that was when the shut up and play the hits was really started raring to go. Uh, in between hours two and three, but his smirks like he goes like we all get the bit right like i'm gonna do it i'm gonna almost die but i'm gonna win like yeah. there there's something he is so compelling and it felt like the first hour was him trying to figure out who the character was and not like in an interesting i'm growing way well the, uh, the, you know what it's the before I, you go greg i'm gonna do something a little crazy uh we're supposed to talk about the director and the actor later on in the show okay. we can't do that no we just really can't. hard so uh, I'm going to figure out this show on the fly, but let's really <laughs> dive into the director and the actor right now. Sorry, Greg. Keep going. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say that, that his sort of like um, radical <laughs> piece mm-hmm. is inherently interesting because you, he- you hear it and you think of it as passivity. And there's a, there's a scene where that's brought up like, oh, you want us to just passively accept this? And he's like, no. I want you to be agitators and to get in people's mm-hmm. faces and to never accept like that th- that this is how life is just going to be. Nothing about that is passive. And I guess I felt that was so compelling that to watch that dramatized even numerous times, like where he clears the courtroom mm-hmm. uh, because like none of his men like like or he's let go because none of his men will leave the courtroom and then he won't accept the fine. Yeah, and then like that the, watching him be so powerful by and never have to say because all these people will fucking kill you like that is i was compelled to watch that happen every single time because i think especially now where we live in a time where people as just a general course of saying they disagree with one another will be like i will murder you right you know this will come to violence trust me but so that is very compelling i think it's clearly it's a hugely important moment or thousands of moments in global history. It's an amazing human being that existed. But the reason, and it's an interesting history lesson, right? Because I didn't know necessarily uh, parts of Indian history. Uh, but does that does that a good movie make? I argue nay. I mean, I, this is definitely, I would definitely not say that this is a bad movie. I would say that this is a no. solid movie. Uh, and it's so I think beautiful this is a, and it's so well shot and it's it's well acted. I think you're... I think we're 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 going dangerously close to giving this movie short shrift, Ryan. You know I don't say that. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, hold on. Let's take a step back. Back then. up. I don't I don't want him to throw that gauntlet. Did no. you guys uh, Did you guys laugh at all in a movie that d- d- didn't promise laughter on the Heck poster yeah. or anything? Yeah. But like I uh, think he's a very funny character. He's very funny. He's absolutely charming. The performance and the guy, uh, but just the the constant white reactions, like whether it's in that courthouse of like, all right, fine, just pay the fine. Oh, I will not do that either. And just the, ho- oh my goodness! <laughs> okay. That just get out of the court. Uh, there's one where it cuts, like it cuts to a bunch of Brits in a room. It's crazy that we're talking about they're recording this. I know on a couple days after something crazy happened in Britland, but um, just colonial I- old in- India back then, and they're like, well, what do we do? And they just have no answers, and they sit there so frustrated. Well, All the answers were e- so easy for them for decades. It's because the only game they know how to play is violence v. violence because they've been in charge of that game for centuries, right? So the minute he changes the game, they don't know what to do, and they are smart enough to know, like, but if we just kill him, which is what we want to do, things will be even worse, and then we cannot. Their violence will win over our violence. That salt march was, if I had to pick one segment, was, I think, my favorite because mm-hmm. that's where you hit him. It's in the pocketbooks. And also, he he like sort of understands the problem with terrorism 
And the problem with terrorism is that, you know, we were told when we were kids that 9-11 was about how they hated our freedom. Mm-hmm. And we know that that's insane. That's not the case at all. It was for, you know, decades of uh, just absolutely destroying an entire part of, of the world. Rubbing our freedom in their face. And I think our fr- the freedom thing was in there. Yeah, they wanted those French fries. <laughs> and then what happens is that when you react in a 9-11 way, you become the villain. And then now you can just do whatever you want. You're like, see, right. we're being attacked. This is everything. When you do, when you handle things like Gandhi did, you stay the hero. You stay, you keep your nose clean the entire time. And then that's how you build and build and build. And I thought the salt thing was the most powerful part. For sure. And early, early on when he says the whole, I'm, I'm not Pacific being, not being violent is not passive. He's saying, I'm not like, I'm not arguing for passivity. He says, I want to embarrass anybody who would want to treat us like slaves. And that's what he does is rubbing their nose in the salt. It is the funniest, most minor thing. It's like, oh, they say they have a monopoly on salt. Hmm. We're going to make our own. Like, it's so minor and funny and makes it an even bigger deal. Like, you can't even control the little stuff, Brits. And just the march to the sea. Yeah. Like, the whole country gets activated and the, the whole procession gets immense. And then it the if you have to just do violence against somebody who will just stand in front of you and accept it, it's hard to lie to yourself because the, right. the, the this movie I thought did a really good job and maybe not in a subtle way of just saying like this is what colonialism is. You say I have to wear a certain like dress shirt to dinner and then when I refuse to get out of your way, you will kill me. Right. Like you have mm. you are both polite and then at the same time ultra violent. And the way that they always, the way that Empire always gets itself to deal with that is to say, well, actually, you know, we don't want to be violent. We have to be violent because you are so violent when we come around. And when you release that first violence, then they're just, they just have to confront the fact that they are always the ones taking violence into every situation. The, like, part two, volume two of the Salt March, uh, when it's just walls of dudes walking forward yeah. to get some salt oh that was that was so brutal and that that that's when it was like oh this is this is affecting and good cinema when it was a random white brit just shooting people talking about how they should always be peaceful and i know that really happened yeah. right but that's the, probably the part of the movie that stuck in my craw and it happens early enough that left that that overhung the rest of it because not only does it feel like the filmmaker being like see it also feels like, hey, man, it's one random commander. We're not saying all of Britain is saying to do this. Yeah, but, there, I mean, there's also that scene with, I want to say, General Dyer. Uh, and this is after the uh, they just mowed down a ton of people at a peaceful mm-hmm. rally. And so they put him in a chair and they interrogate him. And mm-hmm. it's public-ish, right? Like, I don't know if there's cameras there, but it's public-ish. And they keep asking him questions about what he did and... Like they're they're getting to points and but they do it in such a way where they're not they're not angry at him for his disgusting behavior. It's almost like we're 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 gonna punish you. Like you're fucked, Ben. Your career's over. But we're angry at you because you 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 were evil in the wrong way. You you, know? lo- you made it too obvious. Yeah, like it's this is on the how nose, bro. <laughs> yeah, you have to find some way to just go in there and beat the hell out of everybody. But they all get to go home. But how would it? How would a child who has been shot and is dying? ask you for help you know oh yeah that was a good moment that's not how we do things we have to control in a different way and you you would think they would be like fuck man this is all fucked up 
We should change right. everything. But really, it's like, why did you make us look bad? That's the important and part of the system, right? Is that you, mm-hmm. it's the clear and present danger. You put the guy out on the wall, and then you say, do whatever it takes to hold this wall. And then when he does something really, really bad, you get to come in and be like, well, we didn't mean that. Right. And in that way, you like, you, re- you redeem the whole culture. Mm-hmm. And you just have the sin all get cast into this one guy. But the, as evil as that dude was, all those judges that are talking to him are just as evil. Oh, yeah. But yes. they let and culpable. They let him be the one to take it all and to do it. And then you call him in and you go, you shouldn't have done that. And then you replace him with somebody who's probably going to do the same oh, thing. Yeah. And then you'll just say to them, oh, you shouldn't have done that. And it makes it clear right. that, 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 that all of the guilt you know, tracks all the way up to the top of the system, not just to these well, guys. Because after that, they start beating uh, all of Gandhi's folks in hopes that they'll fight back. Because then they'll yeah. have an then excuse, you have an excuse to do the same right. thing. That then that becomes terrorism, you know. And like, how many times do, does a cop, you know, in some in a, like the inner city, like uh, put his elbow or shoulder into somebody and say, "Oh, that's attacking an officer," yeah. and then they get the right to beat the shit or out of them. not just lie or and just say, lie. "Well, I thought <laughs> it was a gun." Hey, you guys will lie for me, right, my fellow cops? Um, we have to take a break, but when we come back, we are going to talk about the man, the myth, the legend that isn't Gandhi. It's Richard Attenborough. <laughs> well, that is very, very funny or very sad. And perhaps now you have something to think about or very problematic. And perhaps we have something to think about. But in any event, I'm sure you have some reaction to what you're listening to. So why not check us out on the social media? You can go to Instagram or Twitter and find us at your pop filter. Email contacts at your pop filter. Hey everybody, keep watching them movies. All right, gentlemen, it's time to talk about one sir. I'm assuming he's old and British. Mm-hmm. Well, he's and dead and British, but probably That's... Sir Richard Attenborough. Uh, what does Richard Attenborough bring to the table here? Well, at no point does he ever say welcome to India, <laughs> which I feel like is a real failing, in his or at least career. have some. Island, Isla Nublar, and Welcome mm-hmm. to India Park that recreates Indians. There's nothing right. here like that. I I feel like he did a good job blending into the movie, and at no point are you like overwhelmed by what the director is doing, except in these shots that have many, many extras. And the fact that like he was like, We're gonna film this stuff on location. Mm-hmm. Those things you notice, but I, I feel like otherwise he does a good job of not being a presence. Hey, Mike, film. can I agree with Greg and say that he did a bad job? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> but, but like, I, I think by yeah, did he do a good job filming those million people, or is it just always going to be overwhelming seeing that many people mill around? Did, yeah, I think that we're forgetting this middle ground of did he do a job, and he did a job. And that's I, I'm so glad, Greg. Earlier, you brought up Spielberg and Lincoln because that a good director. And Lincoln isn't up in his top tier at all, but a good director knows how to tell a story. And I don't think Edinburgh had that. And again, knowing now that he's been doing this in 62, this is the perfect example of you are too close to the subject matter, my friend. I also think that not only did Greg bring up Lincoln and then Mike (laughs) brought up Lincoln, but now I'll bring up Lean Can. And David Lean can direct this movie. And I think that it's need to be Lawrence of Arabia, which I think is... Mm. A borderline perfectly perfectly directed film um, perfectly perfectly uh 
that uh, I think that that's a lot what he was trying to do. But I do think that Greg's right in that he was trying to stay out of its way. And what we get yes. is some of the most stilted scenes and shots that like I can re- like I, th- I think 48 hours is more dynamically directed than this movie. And I think it's a major problem for the film. The stuff that works and hit me emotionally, I think, is because I'm a human being. And then it made me angrier because it wasn't because the talent behind the camera. It was it's just hard not to get angry watching a British dude shoot a bunch of kids and women and dudes talk about how peace matters. But let's watching walls and walls of people say, I just want to make some salt and get beaten. I would say that that scene, though, the I had it written down, but I can't find it. It, The massacre. Antejrat. Yeah. Antejrat. That is the most and best directed scene. There's a part where. And this is not revolutionary, but the camera pans at like an angle over the soldiers, just with guns firing. And mm. I was blown away because I realized that the camera had not moved yeah. for an hour and 15 minutes. That he was just setting things up, uh-huh. borderline filming a play. And not just that, but like the staging was as simplistic as possible. And I don't want directors to get in the way of a movie, but... You have to do something. And I think the pressure was on so, so much for this guy that, as Mike, you said, the 20 years, like, he just couldn't make a move. Is it being too generous to say that, like, those scenes that are so simply shot, it's also Gandhi sitting on a mat in homespun, like, making yarn? Mm-hmm. Like that, it, This it, is how Gandhi would tell his story? Is that too much? Well, am I, am I don't I, think so. Th- the framing I liked and I do think is play like is, but one of the many times Gandhi's doing yarn and then his adopted daughter is off to the right and then his grandnieces are down and deep into the left. Like it is showing the relate the importance and relation and who cares about being close to him and who sees him as a person and who sees him as a divine figure in how they're like arranged around him almost. And there's a real cool depth to it. And you can watch everybody if you were a crazy person who wanna watch this over and over again, you could watch each character and that kind of works. And again, I think the further along this gets, and he probably didn't film it in order, but the further along it gets, the it feels like the more he's like, I can do this, and starts making decisions. I, I think that depth is a really good word. That I can't believe how little depth there is in his the arranging of shots. Like when he sets up everything, that like I think Mike's example is few and far between. Mm-hmm. It really is just shot like a TV show. That's what it is. We have one week to shoot this Law & Order episode. We have to do it now. Go. That's what this movie feels like a lot of the time. I'm wondering if the mistake he made is he let Gandhi, like the the figure, be more important than telling a story. And if he yes. let like the epicness of the story of the, of the man Gandhi himself sort of like stand in for actually making much of a movie. Like if he just tried to mm-hmm. be like, the, come on, this is one of the greatest stories ever told. And then he didn't get in there and actually. But you still have to tell it though, right? Yeah. Like because it, and I think honestly what I respond to so much in the movie is the story of Gandhi and the right. rest of it is just like serviceable, I guess. But the story is, I guess I, I, I would almost agree with him because I was blown away just by the, the, the story of, this man and how he approached change. And so a lot of these things kind of like I, they washed off of me, you know, like it didn't bother me that much that the camera didn't move, especially in scenes that were like very simply shot. And that, I guess that's why I want to read a book because you should give it a try, dude. It's really, <laughs> it's fun. One I'm going to read a book and it might be about Gandhi. It'll but be about dragons. Shut the fuck up. 
Uh, what it's definitely going to be about some Scandinavian peacefully. detective. Could, okay. Is there a book where Gandhi Those are the two dragon? things I'm into. You <laughs> <laughs> sons of bitches. <laughs> but has a Scandinavian detective ever gone after a dragon murderer? Oh. Uh, Check out Mike Gravano's Sometimes you have year. to write the book you want to <laughs> read, man. But so my issue is the lack of interiority. in. So in Gandhi, you get it because I think Ben Kingsley is so great that he is not weighed down by the lack of talent uh, behind the camera. Uh, but everybody else is just a stock character. And we, especially it's a bummer because you see so many people grow through decades. It would be awesome to get, is it Jinnah? Who is that who ends up running Pakistan? The Muslim, yeah. Muslim. It'd be like, he is Gandhi's frenemy. I don't know. Do a Saliari thing. Tell it from his point of view. Mm. Do something Ooh. interesting and let me get to know anybody as a human being. Or, I mean, th- like, I did a little bit of research on the guy's real life, which we'll get to in, in later in the episode. But, like, uh, it seemed very crazy to be one of the women in his troop. Yes. You know, to uh, do it from that. And the movie kind of, like, nods at that. Like, I feel yeah. like... Very gently. Honestly, but that one of my main criticisms of the movie is if you don't want to talk about certain things... Shut the fuck up. Don't talk about them. <laughs> don't kind of bring them up. But Gandhi and women is something this movie a couple times goes like, yeah, right, wasn't there sort of some awkwardness here? And then never says exactly what it's doing and right. then just moves on. Well, there was an old school 1970s Marvel Comics thing where in the corner of the screen it said, see different movie for <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> Check out the Wikipedia for this because some of it might blow your mind a little bit. Well, before we dive into this, I do want to, like, just in general... Is Attenborough's problem uh, deifying this person too much? Like, is it impossible? I mean, you know, Spike Lee with Malcolm X, just to pick a different biopic, mm-hmm. like, is are you doomed to never be able to make a great movie? You can make a good and maybe not a bad, but never make a great movie if you deify this fucking much, even if it's Gandhi. I don't think it's, I don't think his problem, as we've been talking about it, I don't think his problem is deifying Gandhi. I think his problem is deifying the story of Gandhi, Mm -hmm. that he thinks that it is sufficient to just be like, and these are the things that happened. And then that's all you have to do to make a compelling movie. And that's because I don't think this this movie particularly, I don't think it complicates Gandhi as much as it could, but I don't think it particularly deifies him either. It kind of makes him seem like a bitch at certain times. He's certainly mean to his wife, but he literally strikes. It makes him seem like a wizard, though, at certain points. Like, magical social media powers, almost. Yeah. And, like, there is, there's one famous scene in the movie, and I think it's famous not because it's great, but because it's only, where he's like, you will clean the latrines. Yeah. And that's early on, and mm-hmm. that doesn't really have that much lasting power throughout the three hours. I think that's, like, really all we have to hang our hat on. Because it's, like, a minute in a three-hour movie. Yeah, and it's, he still has hair at that point. It's Whoa, early. Oh, that's so early on. <laughs> He does then also strike his grandniece, and he tries to turn into like a loving little pat. But at like near the end, when he's like a really old man, uh, he gets up at some point, and uh, his grandniece has come over to like put garments on him, and he's like, "I could walk you into the ground, even though I'm such an old man." And then they to her. one of them, he goes and he hits her on the head, and then he does. He's like, "Oh nope, it's." I took that. We've all had stepdads. i'm hitting you nope i'm loving you i took that as included blooper i took that as like (laughs) ben kingsley going oh fuck i am so sorry (laughs) i I, what is it black dynamite when one of the characters the car actually keeps rolling and they're like leave that in the movie (laughs) (laughs) 
But I thought that was kind of a nod again towards like the 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 scene earlier with his wife where he like strikes her and shoves her. Mm. The movie I kept thinking about while watching, especially the back half of this movie, is The Verdict because it's from 1982 and we just watched it. But also, we had so much to talk about about this person's, this main character's complicated choices. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that Gandhi shouldn't have done what he did. Uh, unlike <laughs> uh, Paul Newman's character, where we were like, maybe Should he, he have done what he did? have done that. <laughs> yeah. But we had to deal with the ramifications of what Paul, Paul Newman did in a way that we didn't really with Ben Kingsley. You know, like it cuts at a real nice point for Gandhi. Right. It, it it cuts at specific places. And the, the message of the movie, if you're going to take one from a three-hour slog, is... He was right because he was like, we should have a united India. And like, well, there's going to be a civil war. And then they all ignore him. And there still kind of is anyway. And then he gets shot by somebody who's mad at him. I mean, what do you make of the, the, the scene where he just gets up and like, there's the big meeting, right? And now he's finally, he gets to be a part of the board. And he just gets up and leaves. Like, I can't hear this fucking shit anymore. You know? Oh, and he goes to London for 30 seconds. Is that, is that, are we talking about, like, is this like, was he like responsible for this stuff? Is is he taking too much responsibility? Is he not taking enough responsibility? Like, what are we supposed to make of Gandhi by just saying, "Ah, this is too much violence. I have fucked up. I should just kill myself," you know? And then he just leaves the room. I f- I feel like the movie makes the strong point that the that humanity fails mm-hmm. the people who say peace at any cost. Yes. Martin Luther King, Jesus Christ, the people who say. No matter what, peace, active peace, Mandela, peace that that is is demanding, but peace and that love as the foundation that people fail that person, that that person mm-hmm. doesn't fail. And I guess then that it, that is kind of a deifying message. And I think that in in a way it's complicated in this movie, but only slightly by his like exasperation. He at some point loses the ability to like communicate on the same level right with people he loses the ability to get in there and mix it up as much because he's like he has moved kind of into another realm a spiritual mm-hmm. realm and the people fail him too and much it's like the thing that's that leaves you first you know like uh if, as if you're an athlete the thing that leaves you first is your salesmanship and he's like i can't fucking sell, sell, sell this anymore like i can't like keep telling people what is right and wrong the other issue i have too is that he says Truth and love always win. Yeah. Right? Truth and love will all like if you look at history, truth and love always win. But I sort of look at that differently in that sometimes there's truth and love and sometimes there's absolute evil and it just goes back and forth. Because there's no end to history, right? Yeah. It's not, right. Like, he's not I mean, he's he is solving so many problems and then creating these problems, and there's so many problems afterwards. And we're just not dealing with any of that complication. Exactly. The, the, if for him to believe, that's awesome. Truth and love always win. You can believe that, bro. Peace and but love. But then love. to watch, not that he has to like rub in their face, be like, well, you said my way would be a civil war. Look around, motherfuckers. But like to, to have to respond to anything beyond like a little smile. Mm-hmm. Like, again, it's it's interiority it's in, and it's humanity. And it just feels lacking. It's too complex. And like, this is a cop out, but it really is too complicated an issue to paint a picture of. I I liked honestly the of all the stuff we've said for an idea for a movie. It would be interesting to watch from the Muslim cleric's perspective because it's not like it's nice that Gandhi loves peace so much and that he wants everyone to like be very peaceful. But 
a lot of people that were like very pro Indian Hindu nationalist were right. also very much in Gandhi's camp. And so it would be very uncomfortable to be entering into a new era where, yeah, this guy says he wants peace, but like, what about everybody else? Right. Because right. like, I think one of the more famous and best delivered lines in the movie is, you know, I am Hindu. I am Muslim. I am Christian. I am Jew. We're all everything. Let's just do this. Could we just? Could we just do this? And then the guy, that's the guy a, we would know on to become his assassin, looked so mad in the crowd <laughs> when he said that. He looked so much like my brother-in-law, and it fucked me up. But I, uh, I, that that is awesome. But all it takes is one person to say like no, you know, and then no. we have somebody getting shot. We have to take a break. But I feel like you guys have done such a good job of dancing around. One, sir, he's old, he's British, Sir Ben Kingsley. Let's get into this guy. We get three full hours of the Kingsley experience here. Did we love it or lump it? I loved it. Ben Kingsley is an amazing actor. Is this the one way that Gandhi really fucked up the Moody's? Is by having Ben Kingsley in it? I I have to say... Like, we have uh, a, a panoply of different opinions about this movie, but I think we would all think it was El Stinkaroo if the casting of, of Gandhi had not been someone who was such a compelling actor because it is really, he is center of shot for 90% of this movie, and it's like, he's either going to, he's either, the movie's going to either sink or swim based on his performance, and I don't know, I, I thought he did an amazing job. I think that this performance is almost singular in that it's, not repeatable because of his eyes like i don't know how you could have that much little boy and whiz- old man wisdom right dance in your big brown eyes in yeah. some of these shots then, like that's impossible to me the, the innocent smirking and the, the smirk condescending too, yeah. smirking all all flashing in his eyes melting he's together so and that like mustache moving up and down yeah. with every smirk <laughs> man he's so polite but he's so insistent like he will just demand that you do exactly mm-hmm. what he wants you to, and then at the same time, when he goes into the uh, like the guy who like runs all of India, and he's like, "I understand I've caused you a lot of problems, but I hope that's not going to mean that we can't be buds." <laughs> and the, the guy's just like, "They want you to go to England," and that's all he says to him. Yeah, and to like, and I think this is like truthful. Then I think it's truthful today. Acting like Gandhi will catch people off guard because they expect yes. and mentally prepare for you to act like the Karens that we see on TikToks and mm-hmm. Reddit. And when you come in and you're, you're, you know, this amount of charm offensive, but it's not that stinky kind of axe smelling charm that no. people think is charm, but is not. But just this quiet, thoughtful response that Ben Kingsley, I would say that there's not a single false note in this performance. Of just like, no. I'm going to own every scene by literally never chewing scenery. And speaking of, Daniel Day-Lewis is in this fucking movie. Yeah, dude! Yes! <laughs> he learned nothing. As like the most racist man to ever live, the guy from South Africa. It's the very beginning. Yeah, the guy like, uh, okay. Oh, who throws him, who gets him thrown out of the train? No, no. the guy, he's, he's walking down the street with his new English buddy. So he's still, this is like little baby Gandhi. Again, okay. Kingsley plays this guy from 23 to... 83 and or whatever. You never, you never wince. You're never like... Yeah. No. And they're walking down the street, and there are some South Africans, and that's like a scary thing, right? And right. Uh, they're clearly like toughs, too. They've all got like... They bully- got that, the Peaky Blinders yeah, hats on. Right? <laughs> and uh, one of them who like says a lot of racist stuff that I don't even... like. I hadn't even heard before. Right. Like, and, but, but, Furiously Googling. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but that guy is uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. 
Wow. I also think that we have to give another special shout out to uh, Cliff Clavin. Who, Did they dub his voice or something? Who drives Burphy Brown around yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. Hey, uh, this is the uh, embassy here, so I'm going to go take some pictures. But like, You know that embassy, uh, that was built in 1815. I swear they overdubbed his voice. Do you voice. know with who? Oh, no. There is Norm. <laughs> there's a bit. <laughs> it was George Went. George Went. Uh, no, there's a very, like, my wife didn't recognize an actor in this, but th- as soon as he spoke, she was like, oh, that's Martin Sheen. They got Martin Sheen to dub over uh, Ratzenberg's voice. Just because he sounds too much like Ratzenberg. Uh, like, look. Like, one uh, day that's going to be a piggy bank. We don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> there's no Bostonians in 1893. <laughs> you know, the Native Americans came over here. They thought this was, uh, and they built that building right there. Uh, yeah, George Ratzenberg, wonderful actor. But uh, Ben Kingsley, back to him. <laughs> As Greg said, in every shot of this movie, um, did Richard Attenberg, Richard Attenborough, is that why he took a step back? Because the guy has made other movies, and some of them are good and well-directed. Was it Gandhi, or was it seeing Ben Kingsley and being like, oh, I, I don't need to Combo. do shit? I think, I think the one-two punch. I think, honestly, here's what, here's what I think. I think he should not, I think Attenborough shouldn't have tried to tell a story of a man that he was too in awe of. And mm-hmm. I think he took a big step back. And I think Ben Kingsley steps into that, that empty space. So I don't think it's like, a, I don't think it's like he was so blown away by Ben Kingsley. I think Ben King- Kingsley saw like, someone's going to have to like do this thing. Like someone's going to have to be right. here at the center of all this. And this was this and, like, this was it. Like, I think he was a Shakespeare actor, but on stage, but like this launched him. So that was quite a shot. Yeah, I get dark. that. Cause nobody else, Nobody was bad. I didn't eye roll at any of the actors, but nobody else stepped up to Kingsley at all. Nobody was like, I'm going to I'm gonna own my little role. Part of telling a story that goes this long is there's not a lot. Of, like, I mean, his wife is, is in the movie for a long time, but, like, there's not a lot of other parts that stick around that long. Yeah. His boys do. Like, his boys of we're always frenemies. We're oh, arguing yeah, over how India should be run. Like, we get to see them go through old dude makeup. That's like, if you know the history, which I did not until after the movie, that is like a, a who's who of like the history of India oh, sure. and Pakistan. It's just his boys. Like I hit the Wikipedia pretty hard after this movie. And yeah, it's long. It's a long Wikipedia. Uh-huh. Yeah, but it's good. <laughs> the history of India. Yeah, a good, a good, a good <laughs> read. But and, and, yeah, and then you see some of the stuff that the movie left out for good or for ill. But um, I what is like the prevailing attitude about ben King- kingsley in this movie is it what we have said do you think it's that that this is a oh yeah i think that like he just gets to act forever because of this one movie like he's been dining- this was his ticket into the mcu his, he's been dining on this card for uh what 40 years now um you know like there's been some controversy with is he indian enough is he uh, dark enough to play him? I'm so glad I don't have to have an opinion on this stuff, man. Yeah, I mean, we, <laughs> we could literally just move right past this conversation. But no, I, I, why I think it's worth stepping for just a second, and we don't have to say what we think, is like, I did, like, you know, I was like, oh, man, Ben Kingsley, brownface, and then learned that Ben Kingsley is not his given name, like that yeah. he is of Indian descent. I do, like, I appreciated that. And his, Ben that I could erase that from my mind is from the same state in India that Gandhi was from. I felt like that kind of, yeah, that was, that, that, that kind of, that kind of like, I, I, my perspective on it changed when I looked into it for, for just sure. a couple of seconds. I can still see people being like, "Well, if you look at it this way," but I don't think I don't think we have to butt into that one. Let me ask you guys one more thing before we have to bounce out of here. Does pacifism come out as the hero of this movie, or is it portrayed as just too hard to maintain? 
that's it's that maintain part that's the thing like uh, the the ultimate like test of pacifism in this movie is like so you're saying you wouldn't go fight hitler and he's like no right. i'm saying i would send everybody to germany to go encounter hitler we wouldn't do fighting but we wouldn't sit on the sideline either we would like never stop exposing ourselves to the violence and it's just like is that going to be for the rest of time how humans live like it feels, and what about the parents of we get that everyone, one soldier who just stood there and got shot because every once in a while we get one of these people who says let's not do violence that person is around for a short time and then they get killed and then we talk mm-hmm. about that person for hundreds of years afterwards because it's so remarkable i can't believe that gandhi wasn't assassinated halfway through this movie by the brits like right. that's insane yeah at some point they decided like no that would make him too yeah. powerful Power, yeah, and which I think they're idiots because they I bet it would have been powerful for a while, and then they could have maintained control. Uh, yeah, I think there's four. We rattled off four in the beginning of the show of people who are like all about peace, man. Through the couple thousand years of like modern human history, should and we do it? Let's just do it, bro. And I, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, so then we come out. I think in the same place the movie does, which is it's not that Gandhi failed us; it's that we we can't live up to these messages. Mm-hmm. We just like and we maybe we maybe it's it's wrong to throw up our hands and say yeah, we just can't and instead we should strive, but like we can't. I mean <laughs> we the problem can't live up to these messages. What it all comes down to is that like we can live up to it, but somebody else won't. And if they're not going to, then I have to change the Why message. Should I? Yeah, and then <laughs> take them out beforehand and now the message is gone. Oh. No, what you need then is to have uh Gandhi beliefs and a Gandhi public persona and then have a wetworks team. <laughs> Who who takes out your people? The so enemies Wolverine X fifteen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, so uh, path. we're gonna take a break and set up the Gandhi Wetworks team. But when we come back, <laughs> I think Gandhi only won nine Academy Awards. Oh wow! We're gonna give it three more. Before we hand out a couple or three awards, I do want to get some recommendations. If you were watching Gandhi and you were like, "I want to watch something else" because I loved it or hated it or somewhere in the middle, Mike, what should people watch? Uh, I went out of my way to not mention this beforehand, so I didn't have to say, like I said before. uh, But if you want a biopic about one of these peaceful folks we were talking about that tells a zoomed-in story, not their whole goddamn life, uh, Selma, I thought, it's it's not a perfect movie, but it is very, very good and fixes a lot of the issues I had with Gandhi. Tell us about it. Oh, it's about Martin Luther King. And it's about the march across the Selma Bridge. So it's his salt march. It's one walk, right? It's, it's yeah, one it's, walk. It's what we were talking about with the salt thing, is that it's one single incident. Yeah. You could render that in a lot of detail mm-hmm. and show like more, try to get more of the minutiae of somebody's life. I'm trying to remember, did they do flashbacks in that movie? I, I'm guessing. I, I, it's been years. I don't yeah, it's know. been years. I think there's scenes at his home. So I do think that they flashback a little bit, but it's not the crux of the storytelling. No, it's just a feeling. It humanizes so many of the characters, not just Martin. But I also think it goes sort of deep into his extramarital affairs, and yeah, good. Paint him as you know, like the god that is Martin no. Luther King. Greg, what do you got? Uh, Gandhi was actually new, met with, and wrote letters to Tolstoy, which is just. I feel like a very interesting connection. Like there's things that you can look at that calendar and probably you should be able to be like, Oh yeah, those things line up. But, um, 
Tolstoy and Gandhi lining up, I thought I thought was very interesting. And I love Tolstoy, and Tolstoy wrote Anna Karenina. And uh, I think you can see some of the proto Gandhian concepts in Anna Karenina about the value of work and uh, a peace-centered existence. It's also about, obviously, a lot of other things. But uh, I got thinking about Tolstoy watching this movie. Plus, don't you love when you're like, God, it wasn't that long ago. Tolstoy was probably a thousand years ago. Oh, my <laughs> God. They talked to each other. They're and right it, behind me, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the part where uh, Gandhi's wife is like, um, Gandhi is chased now. Mm-hmm. That is something Tolstoy did. It, as an older man, he was like, well, I can't produce any more children, so I should stop having sex with my wife. And his wife was not cool with it. And she was like, I don't want us not to be having sex. And he's like, sorry, I got to be holy. Just just a weird idea. Just my grandniece is naked in this bed, so I'm going to go yeah. this way. Yeah, we almost got through the end of this. <laughs> Without getting into all the weird Gandhi stuff. Yeah, Gandhi did those weird purity tests that involved sleeping naked with young ladies. That is a 18-year-old's version of like, look, we're going to just hey girl we're gonna just test how strong we are right let's just yeah. lay in bed naked yeah. oh we're just touching each other's hands that's fine hey girl i love when mike rewrites <laughs> the middle parts of the boys to men songs <laughs> hey girl i'm hey girl. boys to <laughs> men <laughs> uh, i'm gonna uh recommend a another like sort of historical drama with a lead actor who is just as talented and charming as ben kingsley maybe not as gandhi but this is a movie that I don't think has been mentioned in 10 or 15 years. I'm going to try to do it now. But the movie is called Hotel Rwanda. And what it does is it talks about a, a crazy war, like an international war that's happening um, that nobody learns about in school. And mm. but the difference is that it's one day. And so you wow. see what happens in this one hotel with this one hotel manager and all the people that work at the hotel. Uh, and then through that, you know, it's very similar to what Mike is saying. You get to feel the entire history yeah. of what's going on in this place. I mean, I'm going to be honest. Everything about the uh, the Hutus and the Tootsies, Tootsies uh, I learned from Hotel Rwanda. Much like more embarrassing, I learned about um, the destruction of that one town from Watchmen. Oh, yeah. The Tulsa race riots. Yeah, the Tulsa riots. Uh, much like, uh, you know what? Gandhi Part 2 was Ms. Marvel. I didn't know yeah, much about the partition. the partition until I watched Ms. Marvel. <laughs> I didn't Leading even up know to that Paddington. part, I was like, this is the partition. I know that because <laughs> of Ms. Marvel. I hadn't even heard of Paddington Bear until the movie. What the fuck? Yeah. Wait, the first one or the second one? Apparently, he loves marmalade. Yeah, he does. Uh, so, yeah, Hotel Rwanda is a, you know, a hard-to-watch movie, but... I think a good way to you you know what I want from these movies is I want you to kickstart the history uh, mm-hmm. knowledge for me and then I'll go do it as opposed to Gandhi which knows it can't deliver it all but somehow tries anyway. That's where yeah. I have the issue. All right, Mike, cringiest moment of Gandhi. What do we got? Uh, I, I, there might be a few. I'm going to give a personal one because uh, I didn't know how else to share this tidbit. Is at the end, the very end of the movie, it fades to black. He's dead. Funeral happens. It says Mahatma Gandhi, and I really thought. I really expected it to say will return, and then I realized what movie I was watching. So the biggest cringe of the movie was I'm a fucking idiot, and I watch too many superhero movies. <laughs> the <laughs> end? Question mark. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Why don't Why don't they just answer that question right there immediately, Greg? What's the cringiest moment? I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with when he starts hitting his wife because she says she doesn't want to muck out the latrines. 
Um, it's just one of these nods to like, Gandhi was complicated, everybody. And then again, it's like a minute in, in this whole movie. Um, and it's just, you never see him rise to any sort of anything like violence, except he, he'll strike ladies. He does it a, a couple times in the movie, and it's just a, a weird moment. I've seen this movie before. But seeing that moment, the latrine moment, I was like, shit, did I do I totally misremember this movie? Like Is, are things about to get complicated? <laughs> and they don't. And so yeah, nope. uh, I'm gonna give that point to Greg because we don't live in Mike's fucking crazy half baked superhero <laughs> head. <laughs> we should. talked about Richard Attenborough sort of more than we talk about a lot of directors on this show. But for maybe not the best reasons. Greg, what do you think was and the, I can tell you this because I looked at his filmography. Okay. This is the last time we are talking about. Like, there's no other. Like, we made gonna... Shadowlands, that uh, C.S. Lewis love story. Remember okay. that with Anthony Hopkins and Deborah Winger? Not really. It's 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 a rocky filmography. What about but, Chaplin? And we're I'm not talking about Chaplin. Uh, no, we're not digging into Chaplin. Uh, that's another perfect example, though, of like you found one shining star and you hid behind him. And mm. another example of you tried to tell that dude to tire yeah. life. That <laughs> Cradle movie to starts grave. with him being a little kid. <laughs> Uh, Greg, what, is, what do you think is the director's signature here? I have to go with the the number one thing this guy was relying on was you're not going to make a movie with more extras than my <laughs> movie. And that the funeral procession shot between 300 and 400,000 extras. Uh, I, I think I'm a sucker for that, especially growing up in a time where there's like seven extras in a movie and they just like use computers to fill in the rest so every seventh person is waving yeah. the exact same way like crowd <laughs> shots have not looked good for a really long time the best crowd shot you can do is actually get a crowd of people Three hundred thousand. that's a crowd crowd shots at this point look like uh mlb 2007 where yeah. you look in the stands of a video game a baseball video game and like the same dude stands up all at the same time in eight different places the crowd well, shots you guys have a- obviously not been to a real sports game because that's how it is every eighth <laughs> chair just stands up together the crowd shots kind of remind me of that whole, like when we talk about you learn the wrong lessons, like you watched David Lean's epic shots and you were like, oh, I get it. Mm-hmm. And you didn't, you didn't watch the rest of the movie. Like you didn't know why the movie had impact. Mike, what's the director's signature? Uh, there was one moment towards the end that, that I was like, oh, director. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Uh, for good and ill, it was uh, post-partition. India plays their very British-influenced national anthem, raises mm-hmm. their flag, everybody cheers. Pakistan plays their very British-influenced national anthem, flag, raises the cheer. And it's Gandhi, as we've seen him, uh, making his home spun. He's just in black silhouette, though, and next to a flagpole with no flag. And I went, I mean, the silhouette looks cool, Richard, but we get it. We get what you're doing, buddy. All right. It's so Brit-inspired. I think India's was blur right and pakistan's was oasis mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's why those bands hate each other <laughs> what a good anthem that would have been <laughs> man people would stand up come on the end also had this moment where we see the uh assassination again mm-hmm. no changes it's just the footage again and then it goes right into this like funeral pyre yeah is that is it that pyre mm-hmm. pyre uh, pyre and that even that was like, oh wow, we're we're doing something different. Like that's crazy. Uh, I'm gonna give it to Greg. It's the actors. Finally, pound for pound performance, gentlemen. I'm not gonna put any rules on this one. I'm just gonna say, what was the pound for pound performance, Mike? What is it? It's inarguably Ben the King Kingsley. Oh, it's Greg, why they call point. him the King? <laughs> the whole reason we have this award is that we don't just always pick the the lead actor, but there are times where. 
it's just silly. But to Mike, say. Mike made this point in that it's so fast through time that every character has four minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and like uh, Candace Bergen is like the second lead in this movie, and she shows up about twenty minutes before end credits roll. That's that piss. I was like, well, I need to get to know another person. Fuck this movie. <laughs> Do you guys have anybody that would that is not like who would your second place be? I think the guy that is like the assistant to the main guy, the main English guy in India, who it's his job to sort of like help direct this guy's way of thinking, uh-huh. but he can't do it in too forward a fashion. <laughs> but he's just trying to be like, well, sir, if you think about it, it <laughs> might be prudent. And this guy's like, mm, I don't know, lock them all up. Is this the same <laughs> guy who, um, like, Gandhi wanted a taxi home, and it was like, give him a Give him a half pence or whatever. And he was like, are you, are you, you want me to give this guy money? <laughs> <laughs> I think it might have been. There's a lot of British actors. Uh, if we were like, you know, 40 years older, we'd be like, oh, John Gilgood. Like this was sort of a Harry yeah. Potter-ish. Here's, oh, a, really? here's a parade of uh, famous British actors throughout the whole thing, which is, I also think is a problem. Like we don't know these people, but I remember watching 1917 and having every time somebody turns around, it's Tom Hardy or Benedict Cumberbatch. Like, that's not doing your movie any yeah. good. No. I don't know why they do that, other than to sell tickets, because John Gilgood is in your movie. They I do love it for Gilgood. Dopes like me, because I go, oh, look at that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Stand up chair. I think it, like I think it works on guy. Me. Plus, we play fantasy British actor, and every time somebody shows up in a movie, you get, we get points. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's going to do it for the show. Um, Guys, Gandhi is not eligible to win. Do Greg, you already said that it should have been in the Elite Eight. Mike, do you agree? No. What about because of its Oscar and box office status? Like, it's not your eight favorite movies in the bracket. Wasn't this more important than some of the movies in the bracket? I am glad that we covered it for history's sake. Uh, and so nobody can besmirch a good name. Because those non-pay think- pigs would have been like, you guys didn't even fucking talk about Gandhi. Right. Those non-pay pigs. It would become a pay pig. It would have felt like an oversight. I I have to say, I came in a little bit more revved up than I feel about it now. (laughs) Um, But I I still think that, like, I don't know. I liked it more than than Forty Eight Hours. But that's what I say about every single movie. But but except another Forty Eight Hours. Forty Eight Hours somehow has more cultural cachet. Yeah, this in our modern era than fucking Gandhi does. It's nobody talks about this movie anymore, and I do think that it is sort of because this is the bridge, this is the gap between David Lean's epics and Crash and Green Book. Like mm. this made the Oscars sort of codify what they're looking for, but it's nowhere right. near as bad as those movies. No, Absolutely, like, no, those are those are literal near. bad movies. Yeah. But I do think that the artistic merit is not up to the snuff of like 10 other movies that we watched this season. Yeah. And, but, but the Oscars, it sort of like made us all realize that the Oscars fall for this. Mm -hmm. So let's just do this. I think I, the the same reason I love this movie is why Attenborough shouldn't probably have made it himself, which is I'm just enamored with the story of Gandhi. And so then I don't look at the rest of it as objectively, you know, I, yeah. have, the, I have the same fault that he does. Cause you, really when like, everything I would go to say about how much I like it would come down to the fact that I think it was so awesome that there was a guy who would say, I will never strike you and I will never back down from being struck by you. Like that just wish we I had that right now. even just saying that. Yeah. Like it, that you could be that brave in, in every single way and that you could conquer yourself and master yourself in, in that way. But that's not what, 
a movie is. Like, a movie has different responsibilities than just, wasn't this guy rad? (laughs) (laughs) Except for Fight Club. Even if the guy was really rad. And Creed. Man, that guy was rad. (laughs) All right, that is, guys, we are about to move into the 1982 finale. I'm so excited. Uh, This is going to be the end of my hosting. Um, I have so many people to thank, but I will just... Uh, just thank you two. And when I look at you two, I'm looking in the mirror at my two fucking baby blue eyes. I did it. <laughs> Get us. And we're uh, we are out. Next time you hear us, it is the 1982 finale. Please, for Mike, for Greg, keep watching those movies. For the sake of us, please.